Welcome to Taz Racing's Week in Review podcast, a look back at recent thoroughbred racing in Tasmania. It's the final meeting on the grass until October, and as we've seen so frequently since the Ladbrokes Tasmanian Summer of Racing, was a Scott Brunton domination in Hobart training the first five winners of the day. Two of those winners were ridden by Erica Byrne Burke, who took riding honours with a double. I thought the track raced really well on Sunday. We had a soft five. It was a nice winter's day temperature-wise, which was massively different from the previous Hobart program where it was absolutely freezing. Look, the majority of winners were up near the speed, but that was largely a result of some slowly run or or low-pressure races. You could make ground if the leaders didn't have it too easy. We started the day with a couple of Benchmark 74 races, and what do you know? We had small fields again, but don't worry, you won't get another rant from me about the size of the fields and these higher grade benchmark races. But look, there's not a lot that we'll be able to take from these two races to start the days. I don't think we'll see the majority of the field for a little while. Uh, Both of the first two races went the way of the favourites and it was probably a fairly straightforward double if that's the way you wanted to play it from a punting perspective. In the opener, Saz Finale was the solid $1.45 favourite and only had a field of three to beat. And while the margin was only half a length on the line, that probably flattered the second horse, Rising Sang. Uh, speaking to Scotty Brunton on Monday, the winner, Saz Finale, will likely head to South Australia, given there isn't really anything for him outside of Devonport. And our form does tend to hold up pretty well in South Australia, and, and Saz Finale's clearly racing well. So uh, looks a nice uh, option for him to head over to South Australia. Now, the second horse, Rising Sang, is one that we know that does love Devonport, but after starting his campaign with Glenn Stevenson on Good Friday, he's obviously been up for a while now, but he's holding his form. So not sure whether they'll persist with Rising Sang, but uh, all honours to the winner, Saz Finale, in the opener. Race two, Curacet at $1.70 into $1.55 was a slightly longer price than her stable mate in race one, but I thought it was the good thing of the day and, and plenty of punters agreed and she duly won accordingly. Uh, won a few winners to come from off the speed, but it was a small field. It was easy to see that Curacet was unlucky last start and she atoned here. She actually had the fastest last 600, 400 and 200 of the day off the Stride Master data. And even though it was easily uh, the highest grade of the three 1,200 metre races she won, ran the fastest time by a considerable margin. Again, talking to Scotty, it sounds like she'll have a spell. She seems to be a real Hobart specialist. So I'd imagine uh, they'll be looking at the most suitable races down here. Uh, looking at, at feature races, the Goodwood, Bow Mistress, Winsenberg are all sprint features in Hobart that would have to be high on the radar. And well, Curacet was just in a different class here. Jeremiah was three wide the trip in a field of six. So even though he somewhat bounced back from what was a, a shocking run, the prior start, uh, he was still close to five lengths from the winner, but as mentioned, had a, a pretty wide run in a small field. And talking to owner Rick Polly after the race, uh, don't buck me off, was almost obligated to run here, given it was only a small field and, and he's been in good form, but he's had enough. And that was evident by a, a big flop here when sent out a $5 chance. Race three, the two popular elects at the head of the market fought it out and the good start for favourite punters continued when Keeper's Touch, who was two out to 240, kicked off the speed and held off powerful Pebbles, who went the other way, 480 into $4. Uh, it's always nice when your best bet a horse it goes under and then salutes next start and 
And the winning rider here, Georgie Catania, very politely reminded me that I'd taken Keeper's touch out of my black book after flagging him three starts ago. But look, good win here for Keeper's touch. I guess in my defence here, it was purely price-based that uh, I was happy to work around Keeper's touch. I thought it was a touch plain behind Spicewood last time. And even though I had him favourite in this race, I couldn't sort of get him at around about the even money mark. And that led me to powerful Pebbles, who I had black booked from the last start in Hobart. Um, suggesting that probably 400 me- uh, 1,400 metres would be best, but this was a pretty weak sort of a maiden. Powerful Pebbles got the gap on the corner, and, and even though Cody Jordan stayed hard up on the inside rail, that didn't seem to be a big negative on the day, which is contrary to what we've seen in Hobart over the last few months. And the Quinella here essentially matched motors over the final 400 with very similar closing sectionals and giving keepers touch settled in front. Uh, that was the margin on the line. The Quinella here gapped the rest, and that, and they really do look the two progressive types. And as I say, it was a, a pretty thin-looking maiden. Uh, I think the winner, Keeper's Touch, has certainly got more races in him, but I think he'll have a break now rather than racing in Devonport. And I'm not sure the carpet will suit Powerful Pebbles as a get-backs-and-run-on horse. So we might need to be selective about how we can make a few bucks there on powerful pebbles if they do go there. But um, as mentioned, when I black booked her on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think the ability is there. Worth mentioning, there was a late scratching in the barriers here. She decides a first starter from the Brunton camp who was around $10. So a few deductions there on she decides. TazRacing.com.au's new Form Plus Pro gives you even more data on all Tasmanian thoroughbred racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form source today. Form Plus Pro by TazRacing.com.au. The fourth race was a crawl. It was the slowest of the three 1,200-metre races, about three lengths behind the maiden one by Keeper's Touch. It basically made it impossible for anything to come from off the speed, and Robin Island was the beneficiary uh, the second half of an Erica Burnberg double. Classic benchmark 60, not much between them. Best ride and, and most luck wins a lot of the time, and that was the case here. A strategic agenda and Robin Island sat 1-2 in the run and finished as the Quinella with easing race favourite Freak on a lead who did take a bit of a bath, particularly late 320 out to 440, caught three wide. Look, the, the market's come for Robin Island a few times this preparation, but this wasn't the case on Sunday. $6 out to $9 here. The, the obvious unlucky run, if you wanted to pick one out, was Luca Brazzi, who there was a speck and a bit of a tip four on track, five into 460, uh, looked to be trucking through a gap in the home straight between the eventual Quinella close to home, but that gap shut and it was race over. A pretty disappointing watch if you're on Luca Brazzi. Otherwise, uh, there were just three lengths between first and ghosted who only beat one runner home. So it'll be hard to trust this form and, and there could easily be some rebound performances. Scotty Brunton owned the early quaddy and had the first leg of the late one as well. And it was Rylestone at start seven for the stable in Tassie. Finally broke through for a deserved win. Very well found late was Rylestone, 440 into 320. And I guess the key here was his ability to settle much closer. Uh, Dave Perez had the ride this time in. And the horse wasn't super from the gates, but he didn't miss it hopelessly as he had in recent times. And then the seas parted for Dave, enabling him to sort of hunt up the rail with inside runs. And when he had the leaders back turning for home, he was always the one that was going to be hardest to beat. 
Bit of a bitter pill to swallow personally in this race. I've got the top price on Rylestone here two starts ago when he bombed the start, rattled home, beaten under a length, and also four starts ago when he was wayward uh, in the home straight at, at close to $20. And, and naturally, Rylestone knocked off the two horses I was on here who sat one, two in the run under his eye, 550 out to 650. And I'm back who I was very keen on 270 into $2 early and just ease slightly to start 230 with a bit of money for the stable, mate. It's hard to make too many excuses uh, for those two horses that I was on, other than the fact that the winner probably just had the drop on them late. And under his eye can consider himself a bit stiff. Similar thing happened last time where Tazio O'Reilly had its Christmas just settling on the back of under his eye and and under his eye has clearly knocked off Tazio O'Reilly this time. So, look, there's a maiden out there somewhere for under his eye, but uh, after getting him a couple of times here at good each-way prices and, and not leaving with much, um, we might have to be forced to be taking shorter odds next time. The trifecta gapped fourth, Auntie Flory here, which is something that the market largely saw coming, and I think they are the three best horses in the race. Um, we've seen Scotty Brunton dabble with Rylestone at Devonport, and while I don't think he loves it there, he may be worth another crack on the carpet. Uh, under his eye, had his first Tassie start in Devonport, which was probably a bit inconclusive, but in theory, his on-pace racing style should be suited to the tight Devonport track. Race six, well, finally someone other than Scott Brunton won a race, but naturally it was his partner, Tegan Keys. And this is a movie we've seen before with Flourishing Future. If you leave her alone in front, she can be hard to get past, and that's exactly what happened here. Uh, Flourishing Future was awful last time behind Sav's finale, but uh, a clever claim here with Yanish Laxman taking the ride meant the horse was basically on the minimum despite dropping from a 78-grade race to a 66 uh, but at $14 out to 16 she would have been a quaddy killer for most, but good rides, good tactics, uh, pinched a result from the front. Born Magic must be a bit of an in-play layer's dream. Not for the first time this preparation. She looked to have the race shot to pieces but couldn't run past the leader. And incidentally, this Quinella had a fight up the home straight three starts ago for the same outcome. Uh, Poor Magic settled just off the pace here, often a, a noted leader, but had a good enough run in third and did loom in the home straight, did look the winner, but yeah, as mentioned, didn't go past. It was a bit of a strange betting race, this one. The market was happy to pot that Born Magic champs again form from the last Hobart meeting. They both drifted from around sort of the $5 mark to state, start 7 or $8. Born Magic run well, but champs again didn't really fire at all. The one that the money did arrive for was Ravage, seven fifty into five fifty on the Taz Racing official prices. But I think even thirteen and fourteen dollars was available uh, when I looked at the dynamic odds fluctuations. That horse was only fair after enjoying the one by one trial, so no real excuses uh, for those who got the overs on Rally Ravage. Early favourite in Kona was three forty out to four forty, having his first grass run, and, and this isn't a stable where you chase the drift as the market's generally a firm indicator. Uh, only grabbed on the line for third on the post. I thought Ancona was fair. I certainly wouldn't be dismissing his Hobart credentials off this performance. Best closer here was our Black Booker and the one we found for the staking strategy, which is Dun Mining, who started $9. She, she just settled a bit far back to ever be a winning chance, uh, but I'll certainly give her uh, another chance down the line and she does have a Devonport win to her credit. 
this race was about eight lengths faster than the maiden class one win of Rylestone, which was all set up by a much faster lead time as they ran home the final 600 metres much slower. John's lad ensured a huge quaddy dividend when he took out the second last race as a $14 chance, a big drifter two out from $8.50. Uh, the Quinella here were the last two horses down the back straight, so it did show that we were racing on a fair surface and that Tempo was playing a big part in most of the winners. I'm not sure if it was intentional here, but Cody Jordan opted to circle the field and get to the outside fence. It certainly wasn't a program where um, we were beelining the outside rail. And Seguimentos, in the same colours, who was back with John's lad um, and eventually finished second, went through the field and got to the middle of the track. But Seguimentos was by far the more fancied of the Quinella, starting 550, but uh, unfortunately she just continuously finds one better. And a um, bit of a funny part about that is that she's now finished second at her last three starts and on each occasion has been knocked off by a horse that Rick Polly also owns. Rick, of course, owns Seguimentos. But, uh, so he's managed to jag the Quinella three, starts, three straight starts uh, with Seguimentos finishing second every time. Look, I, I thought John's lad was about the right price here, entitled to be sort of double figures. Been running some solid races, but... Um, a tricky map for that horse and it was an open race but the horse ran well and got the prize and, and did run a reasonable race at Devonport the start prior so we might see John's lad at least have another one up there on the carpet. Seguimentos has been up a long time not sure whether they'll persist there but um, even though she hasn't run she's uh, won she's had a really solid preparation. Punk Princess for Johnny Black rounded out a big price trifecta at $26, saved a bit of ground on the home turn, and I think she probably is looking for uh, at least a mile now. There was a bit of money here for Johnny Chutzpah having his first start for Gary White, 13 into 7 on the Taz Racing official prices, and was doing his best work late down the outside fence. So I guess time will tell whether that was a fast lane out wide, but I'm going to black book Johnny Chutzpah here. It's a program where it's hard to find runners to follow given we're going from the grass to the carpet for two months and a lot of horses will be tipped out. Doesn't have a carpet start to his name, Johnny Trutzbar, but I'm sure Gary White will at least uh, have a run or a couple of runs up there. And look, I suspect we'll probably get an each way price. Spicewood was a huge drifter here, 480 out to 750 and, and didn't run up to her maiden win. Perhaps a bit of a surprise to see that drift given the two horses that finished behind her last time ran the Quinella in the third race, but uh, the market was a giveaway as to the performance that would come. The money horse in this race was one lotto, $9 early, jumped $3.80, but from a wide gate could never get any cover and never really travelled like the winner. It was the horse I found off an unlucky first run at Devonport. And look, I thought despite the wide run, it was maybe entitled to finish a bit better, but could be worth um, being forgiving of this run given there was a, a fair avalanche of market support. Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbroke ads. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The last race saw the second win in a week and a very impressive one at that for full knots ahead. A slight drift of three forty out to $4 and started a similar price in Devonport last week and was again given a gun ride from Siggy Carr for a dominant win. 
Just camped off a solid pace. Full knots ahead had the fastest last six, four, and 200 metres of the race. She's flying. We know she handles Devonport, and given her low rating, this was only a, a 60 rated race. There appear to be plenty of 1880 metre options for her up on the carpet. So the winds may keep coming for full knots ahead. I flagged. This after the win of Costiero a fortnight ago, that even though that was a benchmark 78, most of this field would be here in the benchmark 60, and that was the case. Second, third, and fourth all came via that race. Costiero was a bit of a strange one here, given a very cold ride, a clear distant last entering the back straight. Started much shorter here, $5.50 did Costiero, but in Costa Fiorente, an Irish shotgun managed to turn the tables on that horse to finish in front here. I was sort of happy to dismiss the form from that 78 Costero win. Just I wasn't sure how you could possibly trust it. And um, look, those horses all ran well again. But yeah, it's sort of difficult to to know what to make of that race. And, and seemingly Costero doesn't like Devonport. So um, it might have uh, got its result two starts ago. I thought the disappointments here were the two horses that ran the Quinella at their last start in Devonport. Dixie's boy was 380 out to 440, and maybe is just a much better horse up north. And Uncovered handled Hobart well first up, but went awful here. And, and that pair finished ahead of full knots, full knots ahead quite easily in that race at Devonport, but have been beaten out of sight here. Um, particularly disappointing personally. I was very keen on uncovered each way here given it was a double figure price particularly in comparison to the two market fancies but put in a shocker so the hobart track now has a well-earned rest until caulfield cup day uh it'll get some tlc from the track staff before then look personally and and followers of my staking strategy probably happy to see a, a run of devonport racing where i seem to do a bit better and it was another disappointing performance from that perspective on Sunday, some of our bigger plays that I was more keen on washed out and that resulted in uh, a pretty ordinary performance for the staking strategy. So uh, apologies for that and hopefully we can bounce back in Devonport this weekend over the run of racing on the carpet. Uh, horses to follow from this program, I touched on it earlier, a little tricky as I expect a decent chunk of them to be tipped out, but... The Black Bookers we did have here were Powerful Pebbles and Dumb Mining, and I think they both did enough to stick with them. Each finished in the money. And we're adding in Johnny Chutzpah, who was a bit of an eye-catcher at his first Tassie start in the care of Gary White. I, like most, was interested to see some of the state's best at the trials last week. We had GG second over DeRoche and Mystic Journey going around at Devonport. It's fair to say the effort of... Betty was uninspiring, but I think as she's gotten deeper into her career, she probably hasn't been the greatest trialer. I know she's having a, a grass gallop in Launceston this week, and you would expect that uh, with a few more runs uh, before she gets to the races, we'll hopefully see something more like her best. I do expect we'll see some of Tassie's brighter stars, such as the three I mentioned, still a star. I know they've got something picked out early in the spring across the water, so be really exciting to see where they head before hopefully most of those big guns try and find a race down here during our Tassie Carnival. We've got 109 nominations across eight races for Devonport this Sunday. I'll review that program on next week's podcast. Thanks for listening.